Hey, it's Eric G. Around the House is sponsored by Baldwin Hardware. For 75 years, Baldwin Hardware has been known for its first-class quality and craftsmanship in door and cabinetry hardware. As an alumnus of the Baldwin Hardware Design Council, I can say I have seen the details and quality from design to the finished product. If you're looking for a new style and old-world craftsmanship, I can tell you there is only one Baldwin Hardware. Check out what would look great in your home at baldwinhardware.com. It's Around the House. Where in my area, Washington and Oregon, it's required to be in every single home. It, uh, there are no exceptions for a hood. You can't have it recirculating. It has to vent outside, period. And now in Washington State, they've made it where if you do a decent-sized kitsch remodel or you hit this numerical factor, and I'm not going to get into the codes of one state here on the show because that's really boring radio, but remodeling contractors are running into it and now they're forced to install an ERV because they've done enough work on the house to go ahead and put that in and it could be a 1922 craftsman home that has it it doesn't matter when it comes to remodeling and renovating your home there is a lot to know but we've got you covered this is around the house welcome to around the house with eric g and caroline b your source for home improvement Every single week, this is not your grandmother's and grandfather's home improvement show. Hello, Caroline. How are you today? Hello, Eric. How are you? Good, good. We're going to talk about a subject that was requested by some of our listeners out there today. We're going to talk about formaldehyde in our Mm. homes because, one, it's naturally occurring, so that's a challenge, and two... It can be in building materials. It can be in glues. And in my opinion, I think the more stuff that you get that's imported, the higher the chance you have of it sliding through the grasps of the formaldehyde police and ending up in your home. Yeah, formaldehyde is a carcinogen. And it's one of the things in indoor air quality that we get concerned about because it can get so easily elevated because it's in everything. I mean, when you're talking about flooring, you're talking about cabinetry, walls, plywood, OSB, all of these things have formaldehyde. And by themselves, a manufacturer might say the level is okay, it's healthy. But when you combine everything together in a new build or new construction or remodel, that's when it gets dicey. It's not actually really okay anymore. And you can easily reach a level that's unacceptable and unhealthy. No question. No question. You know, we've seen it, uh, you know, one of the common ways that you start to see it out there, because California was early in adopting regulations for inside your home with the California Air Resource Board. So you'll see something that says stamped carb compliant. Now, the problem is, as we all know, is that you can order anything overseas and have them stamp a box that says carb compliant. So That is not the be-all, end-all just because you read it on the label. Mm. Well, and that gets into if you're buying a lot of product overseas, they tend to not have regulations. So, for example, in China, there's been a lot of um, documentation of workers working without hoods for ventilation to improve. So these women, they had pictures of women in factories that were breathing in high levels of formaldehyde with no standards. 
and this was getting put into product as well. So it's bad from a manufacturing standpoint when you don't have any kind of laws to regulate. And it's also bad from a consumer standpoint, being that it's in product. You know, one of the biggest materials that I see that I've run into out there is a product that everybody thinks of originally as being green and that's bamboo. Mm -hmm. So there's a big problem in Southeast Asia. If you don't know where this bamboo comes from and you're like, Oh, it's a grass, it's green, it's renewable. But the problem is, is they go out there. Ah, yes. It's beautiful. It's green. (laughs) It's great for the environment. Uh, It's grass. We all love grass. Uh, Here's the thing. I mean, Hey man, we all love grass. Uh, (laughs) You know, here's the thing. When it comes down to it, what they do is they get the big backhoe or a bunch of dudes and they go out there and they dig a big hole in the jungle and they fill it up with formaldehyde. And as they cut the bamboo, you know, they're literally dumping barrels of formaldehyde into this open pit in the ground and they're washing the bamboo as they cut it. Because, you know, when you see bamboo, like out in your garden, you see bamboo and it's dead. It's got all that black spotty mold on it, right? Mm. All that little kind of black spots when it gets that way, when it's when it's drying, it's just naturally gets a little bit of mold on it. Well, that is what they use to get the color consistent and to keep the mold from growing on it, you know? And so it's Mm. a preservative. So they dip it in that and then it goes off to be manufactured. But the problem is... That now ends up in your bamboo products. Maybe it's a bamboo floor. Maybe it's a bamboo, you know, utensil set or wood salad bowl or chopping block or whatever else you have made a bamboo in your house. Now, all of a sudden, that's in your home and you had no idea. And the manufacturer might not have had any idea because they didn't test it when it came in the door. Mm. Bamboo, do you, I mean, we have a problem with it here in the Northeast. People plant it and they think that they're going to use it as you know, um, maybe a buffer between properties because it grows so thick and tall. And so, and then it becomes an invasive species because it's uncontrollable. It grows out of control. Once it, once you put it in, it's something that just keeps going. Have you seen that out in the West? Yeah. I have a secret for that. And it's really easy. If you do this every year, if you go around the fall with a flat bladed shovel, so they send out bamboo shoots to expand out and grow more bamboo, right? So what they mm-hmm. do is they grow out in the in the late summer to fall. They grow out there to grow back up. And that way in the spring, they're popping back out again. In the late fall, if you go around the area that you want to control the bamboo with a flat-bladed shovel and cut down about six or eight inches in the ground, mm-hmm. all the way around that and cut those off, that bamboo will stay in that area. Nice. and won't grow and be an invasive species. You can control it pretty well that way. You just have to remember that in, you know, October or so, you got to go out and do that. And generally, that'll keep it under control. See, you learn it all here. Because it can be useful. I mean, it's really nice as like a thick, if you want a barrier between houses, it grows so nice and thick. And But it just, if you don't monitor it, it can literally take over your whole yard in a matter of a very short yeah. duration of time. And so it, here's the other thing, though. Tip. If you have high winds or ultra cold weather or snow, it's not, you got to really spend some time with the species of bamboo you're going to do because snow and wind likes to break it off and bend it over. So it can look from gorgeous to ugly pretty quickly, but Hmm. pay attention 
I mean, there's hundreds and hundreds of varieties of bamboo out there. Uh, when I did bamboo a number of years ago at one of my houses, cause I needed that barrier that needed to be a natural barrier. Cause I just had nosy neighbors and I wanted something fairly quick. Mm. I put that in there and I, and I took care of it worked great, but I went down to actually a bamboo nursery. All they did was bamboo and talked to them That's and cool. really dialed in what I wanted to do. So lots of kinds of bamboo. Interesting. So either way, the bamboos could be good or bad, but the formaldehyde that they bathe it in is no. Yeah. And I'll be honest, I don't like, there we go. I do not like it as a flooring surface. I tested it out. Oh, it probably was what? 2001, 2002. I was really early in putting bamboo down. It's soft, right? I think it's very soft. Not I didn't like it because bamboo is a grass. So the outer section of it is harder than the inside. And so what happened was, is I had, my kids were little then. So this was, you know, geez, 18 years ago, you know. And what happened was, is the little pads on the bottom of the dining room chair, the kids moving in and out, actually made mm-hmm. like quarter inch, you know, dents yes. into this three quarter inch floor. And there was no fix in that. You couldn't have sanded it down to fix it. And it was, I had it in there for about 18 months and I tore it all out and it went in the dumpster. I know. I don't know why they promote it so much. I've had the same issues with clients with it being not durable. So, but it gets this big, like, I don't know if it's still the same, but a couple years back, like, what would you say? Like maybe 10 years, it started to be really super popular. Oh my gosh. People were all talking about it. We were doing bamboo cabinets. Now there are some groups out there. Uh, that are certified for certifying where the bamboo was and where it came from. And so you can do some research uh, research on that to make sure you know the sourcing of the bamboo and you can make sure that whatever you're getting with it, you know, if you want to do bamboo, knock it out. But to me, it was not durable. All right, when we come back, let's talk a little bit more about some of the stuff that you can do to keep your air healthier inside your home. We'll do that just as soon as Around the House returns. To around the house with Eric G and Caroline B. This is not your grandmother's home improvement show. Welcome back. We've been talking about so many different things today about formaldehyde and those ugly things inside your home, but you know, we don't really talk about where you can track us down outside of the podcast. Yeah, we need to mention. So if you're on social media, which most people are, first and foremost, Instagram, you can find us at Around the House Show. And there's a couple knockoff Instagrams. They're not us. So make sure you're going to Around the House Show. Like us, follow us. We'd like to hear your questions. You know, type to us. If you've got a question about something going on in your house that needs an answer, we'll investigate it for you. Also, uh, you want to talk about Facebook? Tell them where they can join us. Oh, yeah. Head over to Around the House Show over there as well. You'll see our cartoon. That's the easy way to find us. And then this last week, or the last few weeks actually, have been crazy Because we've had more people join us on uh, Around the House Nation, which is our closed group. And that thing has been just taken off. It's been, uh, I actually approve people as they come on and uh, we're, we're just growing leaps and bounds. And that's that place that you can share all your home improvement projects. You have a question. I mean, we had one of our listeners here recently share up uh, stuff that he 3D printed 
just to be able to use on a project as a template. So there's a lot of cool things going on there and some groundbreaking ideas and some funny stuff too. We get some memes popped up that make us all laugh. Yeah. I, I like that idea of the 3D printer because there's so many times that I need like a specific washer size and I just can't find it. So it'd be so cool just to yep. 3D print it off and I don't know, make it in my basement. Go ahead. No, it's as Go bad on. as the electric cars when we were talking about electric cars with our auto expert. That was an amazing show. I'm still, my mind is still blown because I kind of was leaning toward electric cars. Oh, and then yeah. after that, I, 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 he kind of got me feeling like electric cars are kind of gimmicky, you know, like it's still not there mm-hmm. yet. And, you know, you've got to, if you're going to have one of these, am I really going to want to sit in an electric charging port at Wawa and, and wait there for an hour? I mean, I don't have time to do that. <laughs> exactly. Five minutes of gas full up isn't about as much time as I have. So I don't know. I think it's got to get a little better before I'm on it. So I'm a West Coaster. I'm going, what is Wawa? You don't have Wawa? You don't have Wawa, seriously? No, I don't know what that is. That's like, oh my God, that's criminal. How about Quick Check? Do you have Quick Check? No. What? What are are those, gas stations? They can be a gas station, yes. And they're, you know, a convenience store where they have everything. Oh, we have 7-Elevens. We have those, but yeah. Those are like, we had 7-Eleven like way back when. You're in, oh, the, that's what you're I mean. in the retro yeah. years still with the, the big gulp. Yeah. Oh yeah, of course. <laughs> do they still have big gulp? Oh yeah, of course they do. <laughs> what? That's like the seventies. I got a Seven Eleven <laughs> probably a mile from my house. See, they Wawa replaced Seven Eleven, so I guess you're just not. Ah. It's coming towards you. Mm. Nah, I like our Seven Elevens. It's just old school. You can go out in there and get a hot dog and a big gulp. You're good. Do they still have maybe some cheesy nachos? Do you remember Slurpee? They had the Slurpee machine. They still have them. There's they, Slurpees so have gone nowhere. They're still there. Uh, They're still know. there. Well, we've been talking formaldehyde, and you brought up something between the in the break here that was interesting. We were talking insulation, and we should we stop the conversation so we could have it here with you today. But insulation is one of those things that I didn't really think about until a few years ago when companies started coming out and going, "Hey, we've got this new healthy formaldehyde free," and I went. Oh, that had formaldehyde in it. I didn't even know. And you don't really think about it, right? Because it's sort of like this weird product. Why would it have formaldehyde? But it does. And so a lot of the companies like John's Manville and then, of course, Owens Corning, you know, they went to these lesser, Mm -hmm. you know, amounts of formaldehyde or formaldehyde free, which I think is so much better. I mean, why why put fiberglass by itself is bad enough. Do you have to add another carcinogen in there? (laughs) Seems like. Yeah. Not a good plan. No, and it's one of those things that, um, you know, you run into an insulation. I mean, you've got air going through that house, whether you like it or not. And in most homes, you've got air infiltration going through that. So no sense on trying to keep a formaldehyde product in there. If you're going to be putting new stuff in, put it in where it's healthy. And then, Caroline, let's talk about testing. I mean, if it's something that people are concerned about in their house, what's the best way to figure out? What's going on with formaldehyde in their home? Yeah, you definitely want, I think any house, if you haven't done one, especially a new build, but you want to try to do a formaldehyde test. And it's really a brief test. It does, you know, it's 20 minutes. You do an air sample, you hire an indoor air quality professional, they come out. You can actually do at our company, My Healthy Home, we have your own, you can send away for it and we'll do a formaldehyde test for you. You just put it in the space for 20 minutes, it collects air and it comes back to the, the lab. And so you can know that formaldehyde level. 
And we usually use what's called, not to get sciencey, but sometimes you need science, nanograms per liter. We're looking at how much you have in the air. And typically houses in North America, we run really on the high side compared to Europe. So the standard that if you look at a European standard, for example, you'll see like 20 nanograms per liter. It's something in the U.S. that you just can't achieve. I've never seen it in a home. So that just tells you how much of our products are, you know, infiltrated with it in our building. So it is something you need to look out for. And I would do it. You know, you don't have to do it go crazy. But once you're kind of set with what your house is, do a formaldehyde check and see where you're at. And, you know, don't bring anything else in or try to alleviate um, or, or, you know, ventilate the air if you have to, if you have too much. Yeah. And one other place that I'm, I'm catching people, you know, here's a great example. I like to overbuild, right? I'm like, oh, I'm going to build it better. I'm going to build it stronger. I'm not going to do the minimum. I'm going to, I'm going to do it. But you got to be careful because if you're working in a bathroom and you're like, you know, I'm going to use all exterior grade stuff in my bathroom. So you'll mm-hmm. never see it. It's going to be awesome. Generally speaking, exterior grade products aren't don't have to be carb certified because it's outside. So that carb rating that you see is generally designed for interior products only within your home. So if you bring in a treated plywood or something else that's an exterior rated, you can run into problems because that can have a boatload of formaldehyde in it because it doesn't have to meet the indoor standards. So there's a little bit of a loophole there you got to be careful with. Well, you can probably tell me about this. So I would say it's like 15 years ago, people that were in the Indoor Air Quality Association and in indoor air quality consultants and groups and things like that, and hygienists would recommend people use CDX plywood for bathroom remodels because it actually had lower formaldehyde than indoor plywood. So- yeah. And it's hard to say, you know, the indoor stuff. Yeah. The indoor stuff has to meet the carb standard, but you got to think about it. Um, usually the formaldehyde adhesives have been used of recent because they're cheap. Mm-hmm. You know, that's why, you know, and not to go back and revisit that lumber liquidator story, but that was the whole reason why they were putting carb compliant on the box and using formaldehyde. It wasn't, they were being jerks. They saved money, not having to pay for more for the adhesive. Well, you got to so remember, it's a matter of it know. being cheap. They were being lied to. Lumber liquidators here in the U.S. was purchasing product from China, and China was lying and saying that it was carb certified. So, in reality, actually, I have the information on that. When we come back, let's dive into that because that's a big one that I did a big, huge story on, and I found out a lot of information on that. So, let's talk about that just as soon as Around the House returns. And you're listening to Around the House with Eric G. Welcome back to Around the House with Eric G. And Caroline B., your source for home improvement every week. Thanks for joining us. Well, Caroline and I have been talking about formaldehyde in our home. And of course, naturally, the whole lumber liquidators thing from about three years ago came up. And we had to go out to break. But I wanted to wrap this conversation up on this with what happened. So 
Caroline and I were talking when we went out to break about lumber liquidators. And of course, if you don't know what happened three years ago, lumber liquidators got nailed for having high formaldehyde levels in some of their flooring that was coming out of China. And there was a whole dust up and really high levels on the news and CBS. Like super high. Yeah. So I had to test it because clients were complaining they didn't feel well. And so I guess lumber liquidators, Mm -hmm. Eric was talking about that they had given these test kits out once it started to become a problem. And the people that I was working with said, why would we trust them for testing? So I got involved with testing this flooring. And of course it was coming up exceedingly high, right? So Eric had some inside information, which yeah. is kind of cool about the test kits that Lumber Liquid LL was yeah, so providing. Yeah, so the first thing that happened, yeah, CBS did a whole, 60 Minutes did a whole expose. So they sent over to China a person undercover pretending to be a hardwood floor buyer that went into um, that those same factories that was making the suspected product. Mm. So as they were walking around in the factory... They turned around and said, wow, wait a minute. What's going on here? This is stamped carb compliant, and you're putting formaldehyde glue in the product. And the salesperson there, the shop foreman, turns around and goes, oh, yeah, uh, lumber liquidators paid us to do that. And uh, we're actually charging them a little more to put the carb stamp on the box and uh, send out the non-carb-related stuff. And then 60 Minutes, and you could find this on YouTube. It's still out there. And then when when they sat down with the founder of Lumber Liquidators, he pretty much could not have been any more kind of slimy and not answering questions. You could see 100% that he knew what was going on. Mm. And he got himself caught up in a whole bunch of lies. So then they sent out a bunch of, to, to make quote unquote, things better. They sent out a ton of these formaldehyde test kits. I remember those. Well, they found out that the test kits were bad and they all were testing negative no matter what you did. And I wonder if that was the fault of the company or if, I mean, most air tests, like they were just inaccurate, right? The way they were testing. The reason I got involved was because they weren't able to sample properly. You need to do an air sample and you need to do a TVOC tube. And, you know, there's some, extensive things you need to do when you're testing for formaldehyde. And so we knew that those weren't working. And I don't know if they knew that when they sent them out or if they just were sold a bill of goods that, you know, that would do something and it didn't. There were lawsuits flying everywhere, including consumers suing about that carb rating and the high, high formaldehyde levels that, of course, it sounds like Caroline, you were seeing in that. Yeah, I remember it was, it seems like such a long time ago, but I remember getting complaints and everybody had a call. We had a test. And people were saying, I don't feel good in my home. And then the flooring was coming back. And we actually had to send planks out of the flooring to, they put it, like imagine a a big sealed, something that looks like a, God, I don't know, it's like a room, right? And then you put the piece of material in there and then you yeah. heat it up and then you can get readings off of it for different chemical compounds or whatever you want. So they were doing, we were doing testing on it. And then we had, you know, we were doing all sorts of analysis to find out that it was coming out of the floor, but it was really bad. And I remember the test kits particularly well that, you know, they were selling something that just wasn't going to be able to test it. You need to do an air sample and see how much is in the air and then also test the product itself to see how much formaldehyde comes off the product. It's not cheap to do that. So, yeah. you know, but the, no, I, I mean, these were almost like lead test yeah, kits. They were, they were just like, a, you swab like something, wipe the sample yeah, it with stupid. it or something. It was like, it wasn't yeah. going to work. Yeah. 
<laughs> not going to work. And they were giving them out. So I think that's probably what saved them from getting sued on that is they weren't charging for them. They're like, here, it was like candy at the yeah. parade. They were just throwing out to people here, take this, take that. Hey, go test it here. here try this. And trying to just put the fire out. There's a few. Th- Clearly, that was a PR There's disaster. There's a few things in my mind that had episodes like that. So we had that with the Chinese drywall. That was like the same type of like. Oh, my gosh. That was People horrible. were like panicked about it. And then we had people who were, it was just like deteriorating all their copper. And and it was putting off all these gases. And it was predominantly in the South. And I had a couple clients. Like a lot of people were worried about it, but they didn't really have it. Right. They just panicked because people got scared as soon as they thought mm-hmm. they did. But I did have a couple clients who had it. And over the years, I still find like when I start to see, you know, breakdowns in copper product in the house, I, I usually suspect that they do have some Chinese drywall that, you know, left over from that because it was big. It was a big um, production, mostly South. There were so many chemicals coming off of that Chinese drywall. It was eating the copper pipes mm. in the house mm-hmm. and causing leaks like two years into a house copper that should have lasted you 30 or 40 years at least with good water quality were getting chewed up from the outside mm-hmm. in from the off gassing and if you think about that if copper's getting <sighs> chewed up i wouldn't want that in my lungs i'll be honest <laughs> i mean if it's eating a hole in that that's not good they tore there were developments that they went in through, moved everybody out, bought the homes back, and ran a bulldozer through the whole thing and hauled the developments out to the landfill because it couldn't be cleaned up. So I think this is a good topic to just kind of touch on. You know, you can be really conscious about what's going on in your home and try to pick the best product. But at the end of the day, there can also be product defects. And Eric and I talked about, I had an issue in my home with Owen's Corning Insulation where it wasn't baked enough. They actually didn't bake it or it actually got to baked too much was the process. So it can, two things can happen when you put insulation in yeah. and not be baked enough or baked too much. Mine got baked too much and it had this caramel macchiato coffee smell that just engulfed my house. You said it was caramely. You said, sugar. It, just, it said it smelled like burnt They caramel. put sugar. I think there's yeah. actual some kind of sugar resin in the, when they make it now because of the formaldehyde free. So when they're making something more natural, they're going to be using natural compounds, but anything can go wrong when they manufacture these things. And so in my case, it happened to me and, you know, I'm a professional. And so, you know, I'm like, what's the smell? Why do I smell this? And sure enough, that's what it was. It was the insulation had been overcooked and it was bad and it all had to be taken out. So, this can happen with any product. There can be defects. And what do you do when you've got it in your house and you got to get it out? You know, people have been buying homes out there that have been homes that have been flipped, or maybe you go in and you're like, maybe you're a DIY person like I am. And you go out and go, okay, I'm going to buy this house. It's had a smoker in it. Mm-hmm. Right. And that smoker was in there. And so all the walls have that gummy, you know, nasty, tarry, sticky wall surface everything's kind of got that smoker's tooth yellow to it. That can have more formaldehyde than all of your horrible imported materials you bring in all at once just from tobacco smoke. Hmm. See, I never knew that. I've tested tobacco smoke, but only well, for formaldehyde, I guess, but for other things that are in smoke too. But typically you have to, and, and Eric's right, you have to do a wipe. So when we're sampling for nicotine, for example, you actually have to wipe the surface because you can't capture it in an air sample. 
mm-hmm. and that gets all adhered to your walls and Correct. you know it's it's smokers are you know, nasty it's very nasty yeah so that can be an interesting one and then you know you think about it moving around your house drapes furniture the foam right all of those textiles. things even cosmetics can have it a yeah. lot of people like to use this fabric wall now. They do like a foam over the wall and then they do like a suede mm-hmm. material. And all these textiles can, if you don't know where they come from, you know, have a lot of formaldehyde and a lot of volatile organic compounds too. So a lot of these wall dressings, like Eric's talking about, like this extensive amount, like when you go into a hotel and they do really heavy tapestries and drapes and things like that, they can all have it. You got it. All right, when we come back, let's talk a little bit more about this and some of the ways to combat it. We'll do that just as soon as Around the House returns. Hi everybody, I'm Ari Kameen from Steven Adler's band and you are listening to Around the House with Eric G and the beautiful Caroline. Welcome back to Around the House with Eric G and Caroline B, a new kind of home improvement show just for you. Hey Caroline, we've been talking about formaldehyde and how to deal with that stuff and you know, it's interesting, you know, we didn't really see as much of this stuff before like 1990 because, well, homes breathed so well. And now all of a sudden <laughs> that we've got homes like built like a freaking fort and all <laughs> tightened up. Now everything's just kind of, well, it's all trapped inside the house. Trapped inside. And then I think too, you know, we got cheaper on products and we found that things that had more glues and resins, right? Manufactured products were cheaper to make and could be used. And so we started using more synthetic flooring and things like that too, right? Yeah, no question. I mean, you'd see, you know, VOC wise, you'd see a a boatload because you'd see them come in and use lacquers on furniture and lacquers on this, lacquers on that. So, you know, that stuff tends to, they come in and finish it. So the VOCs and stuff will be super high, and then it just aired out quickly. And as it dried, it kind of just went away because it was just such a simple product. And now you've got all these crazy finishes and stuff that are on stuff that some of it is actually, if you go to work on it inside your house, can be fairly toxic. Like the aluminum oxide finish on a pre-made hardwood floor. There's a lot of hardwood companies out there that won't come refinish that because they got to put guys in respirators and you just don't want that aluminum oxide inside your lungs. And so there's a lot of things in, in modern stuff that you've got to be very careful with. Like silica dust. Silica dust is one of those benign things that, you know, it's on your drywall, it's in your cement and houses easily get high concentrations of silica all the time. And so it's one of those things as an air quality professional that I look at and test for. And people say, well, I didn't do construction. You know, my house is 20 years old. Why do I have a lot of silica in the air? 
And what happens is it gets trapped in your forced hot air ducts, for example, right? We have HVAC systems now. Back in the day, we used to have a lot of steam boilers. We had water baseboard systems, a less of this, we had more of convection and less of this forced hot air. And so with that forced hot air, it blows everything around. It allows it to sort of permeate through the house because you've got these ducts that can follow, right? So like basements and furnaces, they're not hermetically sealed. They sort of blow your air all around from different locations. And yeah, all it takes is for you to be doing like a little bathroom project where your your stone fabricators out there in the garage, under the cover of the garage, cutting out the rest of the stone cutout for your sink and polishing it or cutting it to length outside and that stuff gets inside the house. And now you got a heck of a mess, foundation work, basement work. It's all can be a huge problem. And Carolyn, my question for you are what are some of the things that you can do to add to your house? I mean, you could prevent it by putting stuff in there, but we all know there's so many products in. Of course, ventilation is key, but what is what are some of the best ways to really have that healthy air inside your house so you have less to worry about? So dilution is one key, right? So thinking about it, if you if you're using something like an ERV or an HRV and you're bringing in more fresh air, houses are typically built under negative pressure. And what does that mean? In a commercial building, we are constantly bringing in a percentage of fresh air all the time. And that's how commercial buildings are built. But with residential, we don't do that. We're typically built under negative pressure. The air that we do bring in kind of pulls in from cracks and crevices within the building structure and it gets sucked in, right? And we don't have additional airflow coming in to add to that to sort of dilute it. So the key is one, you could put on an ERV system or have fresh air coming in, open your windows. That will help dilute the chemicals. But what's so interesting let's stop about- stop on that for oh, just a second. What is an ERV system? Let's, let's break it down for the people, for oh, the yeah, listeners right. that don't know what ERV means. So energy recovery ventilator or a heat recovery ventilator. Two separate units, you different units, right? Sort of accomplishing the same thing, but different because of climates, right? So talk about if you're going to bring in fresh air from the outside and you live in a really humid climate, what would that do to the inside of your space? It'd make it pretty nasty. I was watching on social media somebody yesterday that was complaining about in one of the groups they had 90% humidity inside their home and they had matte painted walls and they thought that the water was ruining the drywall because it was running down the exterior walls of their house. And I'm like, oh my god! What climate was that? Was that Florida? That sounds like a Floridian, like a South Sounds like a Floridian. They had not answered my question as of this morning because I was like, where are you and what are you you doing to control humidity? Because you're way high in there, of course. So, I mean, there's so many topics right here, but to talk about this person that's living in Florida, think about Florida right now. They've been getting cold spells, like it's pretty cold. And so when it's 60 degrees in Florida, that block, most of the houses are built with cement down there. So that gets really, Mm -hmm. really cold. And then all of a sudden you'll get an influx of temperature that's an 80 degree day. And that building's going to sweat like crazy. And I guarantee that's exactly what happened. And it's typical at this time of year. That makes sense because I saw a couple of weeks ago they were having that, uh, that uh, what do they call it, the iguana warning where the iguanas get cold and fall yeah. under the palm trees. It's exactly what happened. That block got cold on a couple nights of low temps, maybe in the 50s, 40s, which is atypical mm-hmm. for Florida. They don't build for that temperature there. And so yep. that block got cold and then they got a, a nice day where the sun came out and it was, you know, 80 plus or maybe 78 and it just sweat. 
And that's what they saw, that water condensating all over the inside of their building structure. And why does it get cold? Because I'm going to Florida, right? That's why the whole thing happened <laughs> Eric, a few weeks ago. I'm like, Eric all right, I'm going to the beach. I decided I'm going to go to the beach. And then it was like, oh, it's going to be 35 in Orlando. And I'm like, ah, yeah, that's my luck, isn't it? <laughs> so, yeah, temperature changes, not so good for a house. But for ventilation, you know, what can you do to improve your air quality with formaldehyde? So we talk about ERVs and HRVs because they bring in fresh air from the outside. But the problem is that your outside air has to be pretty decent. You know, what do you want to bring in bad air for? So it's got to be temperature controlled. You can't be bringing humid, hot air, cold air. So these things help regulate that and then bring in some fresh air if you have it outside. That's the thing. And ventilation is so key. And it's one of those things, especially when you get into like the 1990s to early 2000 homes, we just didn't understand it well enough. And we just didn't have enough. Those those homes are, are some of the worst, I think, for ventilation. Yeah, because they're so tight. You know, we went to a lot of the OSB product, which is a lot of those glues. Eric talks about how, you know, they don't breathe. Like when you put a house made out of glue, it's just super, super tight and the moisture can't get out. So you get all this moisture traps in and the chemicals get trapped in and everything you use in the house gets trapped because you're just in this box. That doesn't let any of the air out. There are still states in the United States that bathroom fans, if there's a working window or kitchen fans, you know, your vent hood is not required because they have a kitchen window that operates. And -hmm. it just blows my mind that we can be so great on high performance building but our codes are so far behind in some of these states. And and they're not they're states like Delaware. My dad's not required to have a kitchen hood or any kind of exhaust for his kitchen. That's in Delaware. Yeah. I mean, it's not like, you know, it's not where we're like looking at it and saying, okay, well, it's in the middle of, you know, maybe the Midwest or somewhere where they're maybe not near a metropolitan city. You know, Delaware is very close to New York and Philadelphia. Where, where in my area, Washington and Oregon, it's required to be in every single home. It uh, There are no exceptions for a hood. You can't have it recirculating. It has to vent outside, period. And now in Washington state, they've made it where if you do a decent sized kitchen remodel or you hit this numerical factor, and I'm not going to get into the codes of one state here on the show because that's really boring radio, but remodeling contractors are running into it. And now they're forced to install an ERV because they've done enough work on the house to go ahead and put that in. And it could be a 1922 craftsman home that has it. Doesn't matter. You're Mm. putting it in there. Interesting. That's kind of cool. So they're forcing ERVs and some, and they're going to be, you know, changing that. They're kind of ramping that up as they go. So it's very interesting. So make sure that you're checking in with your local building codes on that stuff, because I think that's something you're going to see sweeping across the nation as we get those things updated. And to prevent chemicals, to go back to Eric's point about making sure, you know, you have exhaust fans, that's all part of it too, right? The more you can exhaust that air out, replace that new air with fresher air, that's all better, right? So making sure those are all working is important. Bathroom fans, kitchen hoods. Um, where else can you put an exhaust? Uh, I like your, to have, you know, here it's code for laundry room as well. I like to have mm-hmm. them in there. And then uh, making sure you've got makeup air in there too to replace all that air that you're kicking out. That's the other thing is you want to control where that air is coming through and condition it, right? Hey, Caroline, <laughs> you know what that sound is? That is the sound. It's time to go. Thanks for coming on the show today, everybody, and having a great time with us today. I'm Eric G. And I'm Caroline B. Come on. And you've been listening to Around, Around the House. house.
Hey, it's Eric G from around the house. Are you planning a decking or siding project this year? If you are, you've got to check out my friends at Millboard. Millboard is a completely different kind of composite decking and cladding that enhances outdoor spaces with enduring distinction. Hand molded from the finest oak, it realistically mimics the natural grain and color of premium hardwood. If you're looking for something that doesn't look like plastic and instead real wood, check out millboard.com. Make sure and check out that interview we did just a few weeks back. That's millboard.com.